0: Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from March 7th, 2021.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jay Williams, and joining me
0: today is Jeff Clossy. Hello, everybody, and hello, Jay. Awesome to be here today.
1: That sounded rehearsed. It didn't feel rehearsed. It didn't feel that way. No. We'll let the we'll let the people be the judge of that. <laughs> um, so, so Jeff, you had a uh, before we get to the the message, you had quite the experience this weekend walking into the office. Jeff uh, thought that he was the witness to the aftermath of a crime in our office.
0: It is very true. I walked in, and my office is right next to Jay's office. And I just happened to like look through the window and it's dark, you know, Jay's not there. And the office looks like someone got in there and just ransacked it. And I had this moment where my, actually my heart rate like sped up for a minute. I'm like, oh my, my office looks normal. What's up with Jay's office? And then I remembered, that's right. Jay said he was going to do some organizing. (laughs) But at first I thought, man, did someone looking for something hidden in one of the books? (laughs) It did look like that. It looked like
1: somebody, it looked like we were in the middle of a movie where someone knows that the hidden treasure map is stored in one of the books in my office. And it's just strewn about.
0: Yeah, it was national treasure basically being played out in Peshtigal. Yeah, it was. It was.
1: I'm sorry to frighten you. No, there was no crime other than my disorganization over five years. There are many people who would say that was a crime. But <laughs> the the only crime that I'm aware of in that was that I have... I've been here for five and a half years and still have not unpacked everything.
0: Isn't that something? I I have fallen into that before, too. No, you haven't. Your uh, office no. was
1: like fully organized within 48 hours.
0: Well... I have stuff Jeff, at home still. Stop though. it. Well, that to, may be, but here, here,
1: here in the, here in the <laughs> office.
0: Yeah, the office. I I will give you that. My office is a bit more organized. I have, if you haven't seen my office, those of you listening, I have plentiful book space, bookshelf space, and uh, we'll never use all of it because it was built for a time when we had like sets and sets of commentaries that we just now have digitally. So, right, I have lots of space, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that, that for me too. That I have tons of book space. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have to have things like my Cubs helmet on there. Because, I, because <laughs> yeah, I have so many digital books. Yes. And I found I found that those books that took up the most space, those are the ones you want in digital format the most because you're just referencing them. Exactly. And you're doing a search for a, a phrase or a passage or whatever. And um, I, those are still the ones that I'll buy digitally if I have the choice. So, yeah. But even with that... My office looks like something exploded in there. Somebody, I, I just hope that whoever it was found what they were looking for. Yeah, me too. So, all right. Well, that's not that is not the topic of conversation. It would not be a podcast with me if we didn't have some random weird thing to talk about. But we also have a great sermon to talk about, which this past weekend, Jeff, you preached on secrecy.
0: Oh, <laughs> do you get it, Jay?
1: I, yeah, that's I, go, <laughs> I see what you did there. So now, um. Now, Jeff, I have to be honest, like when, so when we, when we planned this series, we thought, okay, with Lent, it'd be great to do something with spiritual disciplines or practices. And then I think it was you that came up with the idea of disciplines of abstinence.
0: Yeah. I think we were brainstorming and that came out and yeah came to the surface, rose to the surface.
1: Right. And, and then we listed out a bunch of them and we listed out like fasting and silence and solitude and simplicity and frugality and sacrifice. And then secrecy was on that list. And as we're looking at the list and we're doing kind of like our draft of like which topics I'm thinking, well, obviously nobody's going to want to do secrecy. Like what I don't even know. I'm not even sure what I would do with that. Um, But you, not only did you, you were interested, you thought we should do it. And I was kind of the mind, well then, you should definitely be the one to do it, which turns out it was a brilliant decision um, Thanks, Jay. <laughs> because you nailed it. But why do you think, let me ask you this question first, and then I want to go to, because I know there were some things that you had to leave out just in the entrance of, interest of time, but why do you think it was such a, why do you think that was such a strange topic or feels like such a strange topic for us today? Because I had several people say, I didn't. I did not understand when you said Jeff was going to talk about secrecy, I had people express some concerns to me. I also had people say, I I don't even, like, what is that even about? Why do you think that is so strange in a way that even fasting, which we we don't do very much in the Western church, that's still not a strange thing for us to talk about or hear a sermon on. But secrecy is, I think for a lot of people, that may have been the first time they heard a sermon on secrecy. Yes. Why do you think that is?
0: That's a great question. I've been wondering that. I mean, I surely have never prepared a sermon on that topic, and as I was preparing, I could not think of a time where that passage was really—I mean, I've heard that passage taught, but I don't think I've heard it taught from the angle of how would you do this. Like, if you were saying, I, I want to carry out practically what Jesus is saying here as his student, as his apprentice, what would it look like? I think that's— What we're missing i don't know why that is though i mean it's fascinating to me that it's in the middle of his you know arguably arguably the most famous sermon that he gave in the new testament and it's a good chunk he gives examples i mean it's not just one sentence in some obscure book it's matthew chapter six i also think we just have the cultural conditions in which promoting self have also become very normal to us and we just less sensitive to it. I know when I saw it, my instinct is always like, I look at my heart and say, think to myself, would this be helpful for my heart? And so as we talk through it, I thought, yeah, this would be really good for me to think through in detail and to work on myself. Um, so that was one of my desires for everybody is that, and as I prayed, as I was preparing for this, is that people could hear really the voice of God through his word and exactly what they needed to hear. Because like you said, the connotations with secrecy can be super unhealthy, can be really bad. And the church, in, in fact, has been very guilty of that sometimes, right? So I really wanted to make sure it was clear as well that we were talking about secrecy in regards to goodness, not evil, not covering up evil.
1: Right, which that I think that's part of the reason is because right now, in the last 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. secrecy, especially in the church has been attached to cover-ups and whether it's covering up horrific things like abuse or embezzlement or whatever like it's it's these it's a way of um, quieting victims of, of injustice or you know people who are hurting. It's, it's a way of quieting people to keep other people in power or intact and that's just not at all what Jesus is talking about. And so it's hard because you had one of the things you had said to me in a conversation was that you want to uh that you were looking forward to redeeming mm-hmm. this word that yes. which is an important thing to do that when Jesus says this is this is what this word means, then that should be our default. And it is hard when like we want to be really clear that there is a there is a place where we don't want any secrecy. Like yes. we would want people to talk about um, if they've been wronged or hurt, especially when you're talking about in the in the church. It's so important that we um, that that we are not that we're not thwarting any of that. Or but but this is between you and God and and like you said, this is about the positive things that we do. So this mm-hmm. this isn't talking about he he doesn't use the example and and when you harm your brother, do not yes let anybody know about that and do not say anything. He that all of his examples are things that are positive things. Yes. Giving giving to the poor, um, fasting and praying are all positive things. Um but another thing that I think is interesting and, and this is what I, I kinda want to ask you about. I know it's connected to something that was you had to leave out. Um, But you're right. This is the most famous sermon ever preached. Yes. How is it possible that there's a stone unturned that we just would not talk about that much? But I think that when it comes to this, it's because we focus more on the hypocrisy than we do on, on the secrecy and they're connected. But when I've heard messages on these, it's, it's just about like, well, don't be showy. Yes. But when you only focus on that, you you miss out on the whole reward thing. So we'll, we'll get to that, but but you had mentioned mm. um, what what is it you had to leave out? Like you were going to talk more about the hypocrisy
0: and that angle of it. You just triggered a thought too. I just want to share before we Go get for to it. that. So that's what the podcast is I for. I do think probably one of the reasons that we haven't heard this angle as much is that typically, like you just said, like don't be showy, okay so it's again that contrast between merely trying to obey jesus and training to obey so we're talking about the conditions and the lifestyle that would lead to someone being able to do matthew 6 from their heart Mm -hmm. and that requires actual like intentional wise spirit-filled practice to get there i think that might be part of the reason so if you just tell a bunch of people don't do this as if that's going to do it if you just know the thing you shouldn't do then you won't do it well unfortunately because of our broken hearts, our brokenness, we just can't. Over and over again, when we try to obey and we just try to use our willpower to, you know, eke eke it out, we just don't. So I think that might be another reason that we just haven't. It's the approach that this Mm -hmm. whole series is taking on training. But yeah, what, what didn't I have time for? So Jesus uses that word hypocrites like three times when he gives those examples. And so hypocrisy is clearly something that he has in mind throughout this passage and with this teaching and he's really i think trying to guard his earliest followers and then us in turn from becoming people who appear to be a way that we actually aren't you know i think the the root of hypocrisy is like you're acting it's like you're in some sort of play and you're playing a part but that's not really who you are you're just playing a part and he's really trying to get us to to hone in on this This is who you ought to be. It's not only an ought, though. It's like, this is who you could be. Mm, like, you ha- yeah. actually could be this, the, the person whose heart is really aligned with God's interior life, like we talked about in that sermon. It's, it's interesting to me, too, because I think right now, even you mentioned the last 15, 20 years of secrecy in the church in the wrong way and how that's damaged, I think, the church's reputation in the world and the gospel's just advance and how Jesus so early on in his ministry chose to teach about it very clearly and the people he was primarily addressing were very religious people right those were religious activities those right. weren't the average Roman activities those were Jewish religious activities and he wanted his followers to not be known by that at all and uh, I think it's interesting that it aligns with many people's critique of the church you know like and it grieves us too I mean I think the reality is those of us in the church it grieves our own hearts when we when we realize, yeah, I was acting right there. That was hypocrisy in me. But then we see the larger examples of it, like the real, the ones that end up in the news. It's just such a grieving thing and sobering thing. And to me, there's, I think we can take a bit of comfort in the fact that our Lord, the one we're following, clearly taught that is not what he has for us. That is not his intention for his people or for his church. Yeah, and I think,
1: you know, it's interesting too is that idea of hypocrisy, you're right, that's like, the number one criticism when you talk to people who are outside of the church and you ask them like their views on the church their issue is never with jesus i i i don't think i've ever run into somebody who says like that that jesus and the things he taught i you know that's just terrible it's always about christians and the number one charge is they're all hypocrites and i think I think one thing that we have done that has created a bigger problem with that is that we've denied the charge rather than embracing it. Because the reality is, is I am a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. This is Romans 8. Romans 7 and Romans 8 are just the, the hypocrisy of our minds and our actions that we, we are constantly in this battle and we will be until Jesus returns. And so I am constantly in this battle where my flesh wants to even... Even the good that I want to do, my flesh is right there. Um, you know, sin lies close at hand. It's, it is, it is ready to pounce on that. So even when I, you know, you think about a sermon. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this, Jeff, where you you work hard on on a message. You feel you go through all these phases of feeling just weakness of like not being able to communicate what God has there, and mm-hmm. just pleading with him to organize it and make it helpful. And you, you get up there and you just, you, you just kind of lay it all out there and you just pray that, that God would make it useful. And then there's somebody, you know, they'll come up and say like, man, that was really great. And there's this fleshly part that's like devours that, you know? And so then in that moment you say, well, then am I a hypocrite? Like mm-hmm. is was all that is all that work. Well, on one hand, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think what's important is Jesus jesus is drawing that out and saying when you do these things to be seen by others that is a hypocritical act because you're you're not your, your mind and your flesh are not lining up with what the spirit desires like this is the way it's supposed to be this is what it could be where you're doing this seeking god and then receiving from god but your your heart is divided and so i think it is important that we realize that that we we shouldn't be so quick to just be like, well, no, no, I I'm not a I'm not a hypocrite, but rather find the freedom in embracing that, and then seeing. I think that has helped. Like when I've shared the gospel with people, when they say, well, the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites, and I say, yeah, and I and I'm one of them. If they know me, they'll be like, oh no, no you're not though, because of this. I'm like, no, no, I am because this is how God calls me to live. But this is the divided nature that I that I live with, um, and it's a whole other. That's a whole other conversation. But that's really
0: good news for people. Right. Like I, I ha- You brought back a memory of being at University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, sharing the gospel on the campus mall with this very punk rock student, and she responded to my initial um, comments about Jesus and sin and the cross by, by a very sincere question directed at me, and she said, so do you think you're perfect? And it was per. It was like such an awesome question. It wasn't actually like an attacking at all. It was very honest, and I was able to say actually quite the contrary. (laughs) The only reason that I that I believe this is even hopeful and that I know I need it is because I'm not. Right. I am so far from that, and that brokenness grieves me. Right. But Jesus, he he's he's not uh, unaware of it, and he is the solution. To it and for it. And her face was just so interesting how she responded. I think that in her mind, anyone who would share the gospel like that with a stranger, which is not the normal course, I was just in a unique mission opportunity, um, must think they're perfect and uh, therefore must be a, hypocr- a hypocrite because she knows I wasn't perfect. Everyone knows that. Right. It's just intuitive.
1: But, yeah. Which you said in the, like one of my big takeaways in this is because when you look at a passage like this and if we're honest with ourselves, you could read this and say, well, then I should just never give or fast or pray Mm -hmm. because I don't know how, like (laughs) if, if I'm actually fully honest with everything that's going on in my mind and my heart at all times, then these activities would be the most dangerous things that I could try because uh, like I, how it's so difficult to, to know how to do that and and to just say, well, am I going to ever do this free? Yes. Totally free from hypocrisy. But I think, um you know you one of my takeaways from the message was you talked about how the practice reveals the sin and how Jesus is doing this not not to condemn not to condemn us but to draw these things out to 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 help us to keep, put to death the sin that is keeping us from receiving the full reward of god and so I, I love that you use the illustration of the bike, you hmm. know, riding and, and you think you kind of have an idea. I like how you said, like, I, I could guess that I wasn't in the kind of shape. And man, I so related to that, <laughs> you know, because my spiritual disciplines where I say, you know, I could guess that I'm a little out of shape in my reading. I go through that in waves with reading, hmm. right? Like, so, um, you know, there are times in my life where I've been able to just read for hours on end. And I did not grow up as a reader. So anybody out there that always says, you know, the people that say, well, I'm not really a reader. I was not a reader. Um, I did anything I could to avoid reading, but as I grew from my love, um, of the word and I, I trained and practiced, I became a stronger reader. But even now I'll have seasons where I could, I could devour books and then I'll have seasons where I can barely read a chapter. Like I I feel like two or three pages and I'm done and it's just, I'm out of shape. Mm. And so I think, you know, that practicing these things, like if you, if you think, oh, I don't have an issue, um, like I don't have an issue, for example, with love of money. And we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks, but I, I, you know, when, when I see the warnings of a love of money, I don't have an issue with that. Well, if you're practicing the discipline of sacrificial giving, you'll find out, you know, so, so that may be a time where you say, you know what? Okay. This got brought up. I want to see where's my heart in the love of money. And then I'm going to, today I'm going to sacrificially give. I'm going to, I'm going to do the same. Or when somebody says, I don't have a problem with noise. Hmm. Like the noise doesn't bother me and, it, and I'm not addicted to noise. Okay. Well then spend a couple hours in silence, practice it, practice the discipline of the, of silence and that will reveal other things in your heart, like addictions and and strongholds and idols, it's such an important thing to do this. And that's, that's what you're so good about promoting is just this, this practice that, that not only does practice make you better at the thing, but that's not even the goal. It's what it reveals. Like by doing these things regularly, you, you are revealing, God uses that to reveal, um, areas of sin.
0: That's why, I really tried hard to end by clarifying again, the gospel because in some ways it's not good news, right? To be like, Oh, I have to realize my heart is actually not in the place that I wished it was, you know, and it's like coming to face face to face with the sin in us. And in some ways that's a drag. It's like, Oh shoot. But I think seen from the right perspective in Christ and through Christ We have freedom to actually look at it and say, you're right, Lord, you are right. I don't want this anymore either. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you that you're not surprised. He already knew those things. You know, we're just, as we practice, we become aware of what he knew all along. And I think it can make us rejoice all the more. Like, man, you knew this about me and you loved me. You gave yourself up for me. It didn't prevent you from loving me. And we don't have to get like, start whipping ourselves when we realize that. I think there's great freedom in the self-knowledge that comes from it. They're revealing that the spirit mm-hmm. does, you know. So one question I had and I wrote it down very
1: early in your message was how do we reconcile this this um part of the sermon on the mount about secrecy with Matthew 5 when Jesus says, you know, let your light shine so that people will see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Now you did a great job of connecting those two. So no sooner had I written down the question <laughs> than you were, you were on top of that. And you had a great uh, illustration about the snow removal hmm. and, and how, because you didn't know who had done it, your, your inclination, if you had known who had done it, then your inclination would be to give them that person thanks. you like, I gotta, I gotta pay them back. I gotta do something for them. I gotta thank them. I gotta, um, but because you didn't know who it was, you had nowhere to go with your thanks. I thought that was such a great line. Like you had nowhere else to go with your thanks, mm-hmm. but to God, which is a beautiful um, illustration to show that 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 command to shine and to let our works be seen, so that our Father would be glorified in heaven, doesn't necessarily contradict. It's not mutually exclusive from secrecy. Yes, I'm wondering if you could unpack that a little bit more. Of how do we then? wrestle with that because on one hand part of the reason why you knew where to take your thanks is because you're a believer. Yes. But in a world with with non-believers, they might walk away if they don't know who did it or why they did it. They may walk away just believing more in humanity or, you know, thanking the universe or whatever and they're not glorifying our father in heaven. So how do you see Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 kind of working together in this?
0: Yeah, they are they're so I mean clearly related, right? He it was minutes apart probably that he spoke these words. So it would have been in the original hearers' hearers minds as well. I I think part of it, the answer is, it does get at um, the motivation again. It's why are you doing it? Are you doing it in order to be seen or not? If your action for God's glory, if your good action is for his glory, um, and like you said, we are not going to do that perfectly. And that's okay. That's beside the point. But if your action, your intention is for God's glory I think the truth is it will be seen and God will do with it what God wants. And it's interesting that I didn't read this part of Matthew 5, but before he says, let your light shine, that they may see your good works, he talks about a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to think about what it would take to a, a major city on a hill with people living in lights on at night. You actually cannot hide that. Right. <laughs> you, you can't. And so I think it, that's another part of this truth is that not only does God know the good when we do it in secret, the good that we do will be known in the way God intends for it to be known. He will, he will do what he wants with it. And I think the question of someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, what they will do with it, that is a great question. I don't know I have a great answer for that other than, you know, I have read, I don't know if it was C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton, they talk about the awkwardness of feeling gratitude and having no one to thank. mm and so you might imagine that that could happen um i think that does go to you know if, if it's your neighbor you're serving for example in that scenario we're having a relationship with them where you are open about who you are and and why you do it in a not you can do that in a weird way you right. can do that for show too um, right. but you can do it in a very natural way as well and they get to know that this is the kind of person you are again you're not doing it in order that they see that though That's just, it's the order that's so important. It's, you're doing the good for them because it's good for them and it's good for God. And then they will see, right? Right. It's different. It's the order.
1: And they'll see because God is the one who's orchestrating that.
0: Yes. Like we have to be
1: reminded that we are not God's PR team. Yes. We're not like the ones who are supposed to be going out there getting the word out about him. He's the one who reveals himself through, through his people. Yes. So that's a really great connection. I hadn't even thought about that. But the city on a hill that cannot be hidden, well, immediately what popped in my mind was the early church in Acts. Hmm. That as they were caring for the poor and the, the widows and the orphans, even people who are not like them, and, and we know from other writings outside of the Bible that this was really strange and that the reputation of these Christians was that they they do a better job caring for for um, the poor of... of you know, like you could have somebody who's saying like, they do a better job caring for our poor than we do, you know, that they do. This was the reputation, but what's, that's why that immediately popped in my mind because you don't get the feeling like they're caring for somebody and then running up to the Roman government and be like, Hey, did you notice that we just took care of these widows? Like everybody's seeing what we're doing here. They're not doing that. They're not self-promoting, but when the body of Christ all comes together, and is being faithful in those small things it becomes like it's a kingdom thing Those small things become mm-hmm. big things and now you can't you you can't ignore it uh, you know one a modern day example i mean just imagine what it would be like we have families in our church who have adopted children and have you know our foster parents and and adopt and have adopted but imagine if everybody in the church like if we just rallied behind that we could um you know one time i'd read a a statistic, and I don't know if this is still the stat, but at one time, the idea was that if um, there was one orphan for every 150 church members in the U.S., so the idea was that if in every 150-person church, for every 150 people you had in your church, if you could just adopt one child, we would we would not have any more orphans. Whatever that number is, it's still the case that you could see how that could happen. Yes. Like it'd be one thing if you have the Smiths over here adopting a child and you might say, well, okay, how, you know, is is God going to use that? Well, God can use that story however he wants to. So that's part of it is for me individually, I just say, God, this is yours. I'm, I'm doing this to be faithful to you. it's yours. You use it however you want to. If you want to let NBC Nightly News know about it, fine. If you Mm -hmm. want nobody to know about it, I don't care. I did this in service of you um, and love for my neighbor. So on an individual basis, it's that. But I think Matthew 5, then like you just pointed out, it goes to, well, everybody's doing that. So it's one thing for the Smiths to adopt a child, but what if one day the leading news story was, there are no more orphans. Mm-hmm. in our country well they're going to figure out like where how did this happen and if it, if it traces back to because there was a revival in american churches and they all just said we're just doing this well then like you that can't be hidden it could not possibly be hidden if we no longer had children in in the foster care system
0: yeah that's a great example and i i really love that your use of the pr like mm, yeah. that what we're doing is saying, God, you are in control of our reputation. You are in control of what people see. You're in control of what gets promoted. And that actually frees us massively. I think we don't have to, I mean, the, the truth is we are going to be misunderstood. Like our Lord was that I think is inevitable. He right. was constantly, he was the perfect human and totally misunderstood. Right? right? So we being imperfect, uh, surely we are going to be misunderstood. And I think he's, you know, part of the secrecy teaching is we can trust him with that. We can trust him with those outcomes. And that's where the other applications of secrecy come in, like not getting the last word yes, or being misunderstood. I mean, that stinks. I hate to be misunderstood by right. people. I just hate it. But this, I think, can help us grow in being okay with that yeah. because our okayness is coming from our connection with him, not... Yeah. The okayness other people have with us it's not that we want to be like not harmonious we do but man it just happens in life and, and i don't know about you but i can use a lot of internal energy on those things yes and it's a waste of energy actually because <laughs> if someone's not going to understand you they probably won't um so i think this discipline opens up just a number of they're very interesting avenues with our hearts and uh, i'm glad we went there I'm glad we decided to cover it. I think it's going to be interesting to work this out together in community.
1: Well, and what you just said there kind of goes to the reward aspect that the reason I want to defend myself or I want to make sure I'm understood or at times where I kind of hope that something gets found out, it's because that's that's what I'm seeking. So I think sometimes, you know, sometimes we um, we are thinking like uh you know with a neighbor or whatever that you're saying, well, I want them to know because because I want to be able to share the gospel with them. That's where I think we need to have a more corporate view of this and realize mm-hmm. that that you know they may not connect that I did this or even why I did it until later when somebody else God brings into their life to share the gospel and now they connect these dots. Like that goes to I just have to trust God that okay God, you do with this what you want. Um, which by the way, goes to, you made a good point of saying that this doesn't mean we intentionally suppress these things. Like all of that shows that our heart is inclined towards what people know. Yes. So whether, whether I want to go to great lengths to make sure someone finds out my good deeds, or I want to try to go to great lengths to make sure they don't find out my good deeds. Mm -hmm. Both of those are the wrong heart posture. It's, it's just, it's, aiming it towards God and saying, I, I'm doing this because I love God and I love my neighbor. And, and then whatever he does with it, he does with it. And that's where the rewards come in, which I think is such a misunderstood. I mean, the rewards of God, it's so misunderstood. I think we need to do a whole sermon series on the rewards of God, because it, we tend to fall in these ditches where you get, you get one ditch where we see people just like, pursuing rewards and that and then we translate those into earthly things so prosperity and um, all these different earthly rewards that if you're faithful then you'll be healthy if you're faithful in your business and you do things the right way your business will succeed and, and we start pursuing that but then I think the other ditch we fall into is we just say well then there are no rewards yes but Jesus talks about rewards a lot and so it's really important that we understand how we do this and I think um you did a great job of of connecting those. That The reason why we are rewarded from God is because that's who we're seeking in the first place. So if I'm doing this good deed for like with, you know, to borrow an old kind of tired phrase, but it still makes sense of like an audience of one, like I'm just, I'm doing this because I'm delighting in my father. And so it's my joy to do whatever he sets in front of me and to be faithful. Well, then the rewards I'm going to receive are from the same direction and, and those are just better. Like those, what I love about it is Jesus doesn't say, don't be a hypocrite. Like like it's not primarily a negative command. He's not saying like, just, well, don't be, don't do this for show. Don't be a hypocrite. And, and eventually God will reward you. He's saying like, do this better thing. Do this. If you, if you can untangle yourself from this sin over here, and pursue God in this, you will receive something better. And it's not just in heaven, it's it's right now. Like yes. the, and, and that reward is better. And you mentioned a couple of those. I wondered if you could um like I don't know, and I'm putting you on the spot with this of like but are there other personal examples that you can give where you where you've been able to receive that reward and where that reward has been better because it was you received it from God in doing one of these things or in something else
0: related. Yeah. And for me, the most, uh, by the way, I just want to say, I really like how you just drew that out with rewards. That was all in my head as I was trying to think, how can I succinctly communicate what this is? Right. Because I think our mind goes to maybe it's just heavenly rewards. I have a bigger mansion in heaven. I, maybe it's salvation, but I think, you know, it's actually something we experience now for me, whether it's, uh, I'm really excited that the next one I think we're doing is silence. Mm-hmm. So in silence, one of the rewards that I feel like I have gotten is uh, the things the things that really are bothering me or that's stirring in me I don't know until I sit in silence and then they come up and then I'm able to interact with God over them and so the reward that I experience in that moment is I think a grateful heart and a my sense of my connection with Jesus is strong now I I said it and I tried to say clearly on Sunday that it's God's choice what sort of reward we get to experience. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I might practice one of the dis- these disciplines and I feel nothing at all. I don't realize what it is. And in those moments, I think I can just trust, God, you know what's good for me. And maybe what's really good for me right now is to just trust you, even though I don't feel anything tangible. Like someone might have heard your, f- your fasting sermon and felt like after a few hours, they couldn't do it or something. Right. Well, that might be exactly what God wanted. Right. That that could be the reward in itself, and he's going to do something mm. in your heart in that moment. It's not the perfect, you know, practice of all these things that we're after. It's this connection and interaction with God. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's almost always for me related to my awareness of his presence. Essentially, my awareness of what I believe to be true already.
1: You know, if yeah.
0: that makes sense. It's like I already believe that he's with me. I believe he hears me. I believe he takes care of me and provides for me. But when I step into these things, I get to experience either where I didn't quite believe that, like I thought, and that's a gift in itself, or I get just a tangible, like the example of someone bringing this gift to Jess and I when we were fundraising, it was like, oh my word, Lord, you know to the detail, and you can work in another person's heart to the very detail of what we need in your timing. I, it just changes, it changed us. Yeah, We can't go back from that experience. And that's what I think is, I'm excited about, I think, the reality is we have to work this all out together. We need to interact with each other. And basically, we just have to take steps to practice imperfectly, but just take steps. And God will do things like that as we—he's faithful. He will provide, and he will do things that I don't think we could have imagined. And I don't know. To me, this is something I've dreamed of forever, to be able to do this with a group of people. Yeah. And I'm pumped that there's so many here that really are excited to do this and to try it. And uh, as we walk through this year, I think it's going to be even more exciting to continue to talk about discipleship and being an apprentice of Jesus.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're already hearing stories. That's one thing I would encourage you if you're listening to this. If you have stories of how you have practiced and how God has blessed you in that, we would love to hear them. I had somebody share an incredible story after um, fasting and... And they even said, "Well, I didn't know whether to share this or not because I didn't want it to sound like I'm bragging." And I can only imagine how much more so after a sermon on secrecy. <laughs> so if you if you're struggling about whether you should share something amazing that happened during the fasting week, I can only imagine like how much worse that would be in the secrecy. But bring that to God and let that. But understand that um, those those stories are encouraging to us. But we also want to get those out to that, that people would know, okay, there's something happening. We're, we're all practicing this and trying this together. And, you know, and I think about those rewards and how God rewards us. I think that's good that we, we don't always see it in, in the moment, but I just, I, I jotted down like while, while you were preaching of how silly it is that I would seek rewards from man Hmm. because they're just so fleeting. And anybody, I, I've used this illustration before, but anybody who knows, like when you do something for somebody expecting a, a thank you or anything like that, you know, that thank you is never enough. It, like a person can't thank you enough to actually fulfill you at that level. It, it goes away. Like at some point, they stop being thankful. At some point, like they, they gave you a thank you or a gift card, but the gift card wasn't, you know, wasn't to a place that you like, or it wasn't, I mean, there's all kinds of weird things that happen in that. And, and you also did a good job of making sure it's, you know, showing appreciation is not a wrong thing either. And and we should, we should absolutely appreciate people. And so if I find out that you did something kind for me, I'm not stealing your reward. I've heard people say that before. Like, well, I didn't want to steal your reward in heaven. It's not like this thing of like, well, God's not rewarding you because nobody else did. It's not like he sees it and he's like, oh man, nobody noticed Jeff did that thing all right I'll do this good mm-hmm. thing for him it's that if I'm seeking God, I'm going to receive that reward from him and other people may notice or may not notice and I may be blessed by that or not he may actually be using that to bless you like he may he may fill this person with gratitude so that they so that they do say thank you to you or show appreciation and that is a way that he is um, blessing you in it there's all kinds of ways but the bottom line is it's just better. It's better. And I think about some of the things, like I think about how silly what I had written down was over the years, I can, I can point to times where I've done things and I know that only God would see it. But the intimacy that I got with knowing that the father delighted in that and that I'd sharing in that delight with my father. And you said the deepening of belief of these truths. So I think anybody who's listening to this, if they've been following Jesus at all, they know there's a difference between knowing that God is near and those moments where you feel the presence of God very near. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't say in those other times that you don't believe God is near, but there is a difference between knowing it intellectually and really experiencing it in those times. And so that's one of the rewards, the, the nearness of God, the boldness of God, confidence in, in Him, a joy of, of serving Him um, a freedom from other people's criticism or lack of acknowledgement, or or you know whatever the case is, and all of that is so much better than pursuing or chasing a thank you from somebody. Mm-hmm. Like how how fleeting and how silly is it to chase someone, a human being's gratitude, when I can actually delight in my father and he and feel his delight in me and to see the growth and the, that he's changing me and the confidence that he's changing me. And I mean, it's just,
0: it's so much better. It's so much better. And it's so much better for each other. You know, it's interesting right. when we, when we do things in order to be noticed and we're, you know, drawing attention towards ourself, which in the end actually harms other people, mm. you know, like we're meant to be these mirrors, right? These images yeah. of God that are angled at him and people see him and they are directed to him. And, It's our self centered seeking. When that happens, we actually end up harming the people that we want the praise from. Um, I don't think we're conscious of it. It's not like we're explicitly thinking that. I do think that is a side effect, though. And there's a very natural way in which we can be appreciated when God chooses um, for that to happen. And you can tell a person who is um, practicing this when you do compliment them on something, the way they respond isn't weird, it's not Mm -hmm. awkward. It's just humble thank you. It doesn't require a sermon to say yes, but you have to know that I only did this because of what all right. these reasons. You don't have to do any of that. No. That person can just say thank you, and it's a beautiful thing to be able to relate to people in that way, in that real way.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I, we we need to wrap this up, but I, I you just brought this to mind that that is the mark of somebody that I know mm-hmm. when I when I've told somebody you know hey I really admired this about you one of the marks of a, of a person who is just humbly seeking the Lord. And that is a very simple, I typically get a very simple, like, thank you, mm-hmm. but not it, the, the need, which I often feel the need to say, well, I, you know, to qualify it or to yes. make sure that they're not, um, you know, over praising that or whatever is actually a, a signal that I'm, overthinking what they're thinking about that. Yes. You know, rather than just having the posture of uh, assuming that we all know this is a gift of grace from God and, you know, whatever whatever the case is, but man, it just is such a great reminder that whatever we do to be um mindful that it is all for God and and to him and from him and through him and we can be at peace. Mm-hmm. Like some of this is just taking off the pressure of you know, some of your charge then to kind of finish this up is essentially just don't worry about how the world sees this. Don't try to manipulate how they see it. Don't, for better or for worse or anything, just don't worry about that. God is, God is sovereign. He, all of our works that are done unto him are also done through him and and from him, like the gift of faith to even do any of these things. And so they belong to him and he pieces those together, how he will for his glory. And so I think as long as the church, as as we as a church are pursuing these things together, then he will piece those together. And and that whole city on a hill is a reality. Like that can be a reality for us. And we've experienced glimpses of that and we can have more of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to this church if you've been listening and following along and uh, through uh, just through this sermon series. I hope it's been helpful and encouraging. Please send us your, your questions, your experiences, your stories of how God has has worked through this. Um, those are so encouraging and helpful to the building up of the body. Um, and I'm just excited for for uh, what what God is going to continue to do as we continue on this mindset of just practicing abiding in Jesus. So until next time, grace and
0: peace.